At this hour, friends, as we study the two philosophies of winning men and women of Jesus Christ, I'd like you to notice that the Bible speaks of the magnetic power of soul winning. A magnet attracts or repels. Why do people drink? Why do they smoke? Why do they leave their companions? The Bible tells us. You know, the medical doctors have told us that the better part of medicine is diagnosis. If we can learn the ailment, then we know the kind of a medicine to apply. Why do people sin? Why do they go into sensuous practices? James chapter 1 verse 14 says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn. He's drawn, see? There's a magnetic power that draws him. A man begins to smoke because he's drawn into it. He wants to be accepted. The young lad tells me, he said, you know, the reason I, I began to smoke, the other boys were smoking and they said, come on, have a cigarette. And I didn't want to say no, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be part of their fellowship. I didn't want to be a square. I didn't want to be turned off. So I started smoking. It wasn't that I liked the taste of tobacco. I didn't even know what it tasted like. A man told me, he said, you know why I started drinking? It wasn't that I liked the taste of, of liquor in any of its form. It was the social drink. The fellows come, come on, let's have a drink, they said. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted a fellowship. Just today, someone was telling me why uh, men uh, actually peddle dope. Why do they push dope? He said, they are very eager. He said, it's one of the most uh, uh, closely knitted fellowships in the world. The drug users. They, they long for fellowship. They want to be understood. They want somebody to sympathize with them, to, to see as they see, to accept them. Why does a man leave his wife? Why does a lady leave her husband? It is because under the power of temptation, the evil one says, uh, you'll be happier in the companionship of this other person than with your own mate. And they really believe it. Perhaps their mate has been a repelling magnet. Perhaps the mate has nagged a little, belittled a little, you see. A nagging mate, a belittling mate, a shaming mate is a repelling magnet. The Bible says, People are drawn into their various vices with this magnetic power of the evil one. They're drawn because they want fellowship. Now, friends, since this is why people do these things, not because they want to be cussed, but because they want to find some answers, and the longing of the human heart is for fellowship, how shall we Christians meet these situations? The Bible tells us. In John, the sixth chapter, and the 44th verse, we read Christ, the great physician's answer. He says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. There it is. God is the great magnet. He's the greatest magnet in the universe. The devil, with all of his power, has less power than Christ. So when we connect up with this tremendous magnetic love of Jesus Christ, we draw a person. Christ in us draws a person right away from that little magnetic power. 
the, the, the magnetic field of evil is not as strong as the magnetic field of Jesus Christ. So when we give ourselves to the power of the love of Jesus Christ, then this is fulfilled. Hosea 12, 6. It says, I have drawn you with the cords of love. Hosea 11, 4, sorry. I've drawn you with the cords of love. And in Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I've loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn you. What is this tremendous divine magnetic field? It's loving kindness. It's not belittling. It's not scolding. It is not condemning. It's not accusing. It's loving kindness, reaching out with big arms of love to the poor sinner that has been captured by the other magnet and encompassing him leads him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad, my friend, for such a wonderful Savior as that? Let me give you an illustration of how people can be a drawing magnet to their mates and their children and others. You see, there are many individuals who don't realize that if we would first, in our marriages, for instance, if we would first ask the Lord to give us such a likeness to Jesus that we would be winsome, wholesome, courteous, kind-hearted Christians, then our mates or those with whom we come in contact would prize our fellowship. But you take a wife who's losing her husband, for instance. If she's nagging, if she's weeping, if she's saying you don't spend enough time at home, the result is that this is not a drawing magnet at all. This has no power of allurement. This drives him farther away. But if she really wants to capture him, let her look up in the face of the great magnet, God, who is love, and say, Lord, saturate me with the, the winsomeness of Jesus, the wholesomeness of my Savior, the beauty of the Lord. Help me to dramatize the love, the kindness, the downright hum humble kindness of Jesus so that my mate will realize that he's losing something if he loses me. And I've often said to a lady auto man, I've said, look, you're losing your mate. Why don't you do that? And say, Lord, now for six weeks, let's say, or two months, whatever period of time, not too long a period, Lord, help me to go all out in humble kindness so that my mate will capture a picture of me as an individual that he will not want to lose, then, then there's another phase to love. And this is very, very important. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter and the 6th verse, the Lord says, whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. There are thousands of Christians who have never equated discipline with love. We are holding a series of meetings some time ago in a little church and I was talking about the love of the Lord and uh, many of the leaders, it was the only church I've ever preached in where people were turning me off. The more I talked about love, the more they are turning me off. And I thought, why in the world are they turning me off? Finally, they invited me over to their home and they said, we can't understand this love business. We don't believe it's all love. Isn't there a discipline? I said, discipline is a part of love. They said, oh, 
whom the Lord loves, he whips. He doesn't get mad when he whips them. He doesn't say, I hate you because I'm whipping you. He, he permits them to reap that which they've sown. That is the discipline when a man sows, when he sows a, har a, 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 whole, a whole field of briars. The Lord permits him to reap briars. A whole field of thistles. The Lord permits him to reap thistles. God doesn't go ahead of him and pull up the briars and pull up the thistles because a man needs to know that whatever he sows, he's going to reap as part of his own harvest. So I said, brethren, I said, the Lord whips people. It's not an arbitrary whipping. He is permitting men actually to whip themselves. So they said, oh, we didn't know that. So I, I said to a particular lady, I said, now, why don't you do this? In harmony with the Lord's plan, why don't you say, Lord, make me a tremendous drawing magnet? And my husband will see, will capture such a picture of me that he will not want to lose me. Then, then the discipline of his life comes in. Now, I'm not being mean, but I'm saying to him, look, you can't have two wives. You can have her if you want to, but it's not right. I'm not being fair to you to let you have her and me. And my friends, I've come to the conclusion that it's one of the most loving acts that a mate can perform in kindness, in humility, to meet this thing at its inception. And friends, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8.11, because a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, it's fully set in the heart of men to do evil. So when we find that there's something going dead wrong, it should be remedied, according to the Bible, speedily. I'm thinking of this man that flew partway across the continent. He was sobbing. He was a highly educated professional man. He was sobbing as he came to see me. And you know what he told me? He said, until my wife started the discipline, I flouted every gesture of love that she had. It didn't mean a thing to me. But she, he said, when, I, when she let me, when she let my life catch up with me, when she let me reap that which I had sown, and I realized that I was going to lose her, I was going to lose my children. Right now, I'm not even permitted to see my children, except as they're in her presence. And he said, I'm losing my home, and I've, 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 put a, I've been collecting a lot of antiques. He loved antiques. You'd almost think he loved them more than he loved his wife. He began to realize he was going to lose it all. Then that discipline of love had a tremendous effect. But here was the problem. She didn't know about this. Had she known about it, she would have let this, this life of his catch up with him years before. By the time that he repented, she had given up. Let me say, my beloved friends, never give up on your mates. Remember that the discipline of love can do what the magnetic power of the passive attitudes like winsomeness, wholesomeness, humility, the active discipline will accomplish in many cases what the passive attitude does not. But the passive attitude, that winsomeness, must first prevail, and it must continue. And then the firmness, but kindly. Be kindly in the firmness. I think of another woman. 
She said, Pastor, my husband has many women. And he comes back home and he says to me, if you'd give me the kind of love these women give. And she said, so I have to go, I go all out to love him in every way I can think of. And then he'll say, but I'm still not satisfied. If you do like the other women. I said, sister, you know what you should do? And I saw that she was a very lovely character. The woman was a winsome, wholesome soul. She'd already dramatized the love and the kindness of God to that man. Now she should dramatize in love, in patience, the discipline. And you should say to him, look, you can never go to bed with me again until you're through with all those ladies. Oh, she said, but I love him. That's why you should do it. Love disciplines. Don't get the impression that that isn't love. That is one of the highest forms of love. You can save that man many a heartache, years of heartache. Friends, it pays to do it. I think of another lady came to see us. Her husband had been fooling around and carrying on for decades. And this dear, precious lady had been <laughs> succumbing and yielding and sweet, and yet not always sweet. She did retaliate some, but her overall picture was she let this man keep sowing these seeds, these briars, these thistles, and she was going around pulling up the briars, you see. No, we don't do that. We let a man reap what he's sown. She came and she said, you know, I finally, what in the world am I going to do with this man? She said, I, he's running around. I said, why don't you divorce him? A minister telling me, to, why don't you do it? But listen, sister, let me give you a suggestion. As you serve these papers on him, without a doubt, this will be used of the Lord to bring him to his senses. I want to predict that that man will come and he'll bow down and the tears will just roll down his cheeks and he'll beg you to take him back. So as you serve the papers, don't think this is the end. This can be the beginning, something that should have been done 30 years ago, but it's still not too late. So she served the papers. Lo and behold, the very thing we predicted took place. That's what God says. God lets a man's own life catch up with him so he'll realize that, that this is not the life. He came, the tears, this man was nearly 70 years old. The great big tears coursing down his cheeks. He said, Pastor, I've made a terrible mistake through the years. I've misused my wife. I've been a terrible man. He said, I, I pray she'll take me back. You know what? She took him back. There is the discipline of love, which is extremely important. But let me repeat once more. The reason we have not covered this too many times in the past is we're afraid that if we talk about the discipline of love, many individuals, many mates, who never have been winsome, who never have been very wholesome, who never have had this humble sweetness, will say, ah, I'm going to give him more of the same. He doesn't need more of the same. He needs to have the alluring mate first, one in whom the love of Jesus is shed abroad. So he'll, so he'll say, I have something I want to keep. Who wants to keep a whiner? Who wants to keep that type of a person, you see? So let's go back to our original text, the second text, John 6, 44. No man can come to me, Jesus said, except the Father which has sent me, do what? Does what? Draws him. 
Isn't it high time that we ask God to help us to be drawing parents instead of scolding parents? Drawing brothers and sisters instead of belittling brothers and sisters? Drawing soul winners on the high scale of spiritual courtship rather than judgmental belittling individuals trying to bring conviction when that is the business of the Holy Spirit? Isn't it high time? I'm thinking of an experience that took place some time ago. I was holding a series of meetings in a church that was packed full. At my right, right at the front, was a big deacon sitting there. He was a big man. And next to him was his wife. She was a big woman. And as they sat there together, it seemed that they're almost looking in opposite directions. Did you ever see married people look in opposite directions? Somebody said you can tell whether people are married or not by in what direction they sit. <laughs> and as I looked at that man and I looked at his wife, she seemed to me to be a very humble type of soul, very meek and lowly. And he seemed to be just what we've been talking about, somebody who has never yet learned of the winsomeness of Jesus. Think of a deacon in a church who has never learned to be wholesome, courteous, kind, lovely. And I just interrupted my sermon, and I didn't look toward him, but I was praying that the Holy Spirit would speak to his heart as I said, by the way, men, brethren, I said, why don't we ask the Lord to help us to be loving mates? I said, brethren, why don't we go home from this church this morning? Let's tell our wives that we love them. I said, you know, they may go into shock, but let's keep telling them until they believe it. And with that, I went on into my sermon. I didn't look toward this man because I was afraid that he would take it as a personal affront, <laughs> you know. This man and his wife had no way to get to church except as somebody to go out with their car and bring them to church. That night, it, it fell to my happy lot to have the privilege to go out there several miles and put them in the car and bring them to church. This big man and his big wife were sitting in the back seat as we're coming to the evening meeting, and he began to speak. He said, Pastor, and he almost chuckled as he spoke. I thought, what? That doesn't sound like the man that I thought I saw sitting before me this morning. He said, Pastor, yes. He said, you know what you told me to do this morning? And when he said, me, what you told me to do? I thought, of all things, did he think I was looking at him? Did he think I was speaking to him? He said, Pastor, you know what you told me to do this morning? And I, I said, t t tell you to do? What did I tell you to do? He said, uh, uh, don't you remember? You told me to go home and tell my wife that you loved her. Oh, I said, yes. Oh, yes. He said, I did. I said, you did? I said, what did you say? He said, I said, honey, I love you. He said, what do you suppose she said? I said, what did she say? He said, she turned to me, she said, what's happened? And he said, I repeated it. Honey, I really love you. And he said, she came back with, are you crazy? And he chuckled and she chuckled. And he said, I kept, I kept insisting, I really love you, honey, I love you. And he said, I told her that until I persuaded her. I said, wonderful. He said, didn't I, honey? And he chuckled, and she chuckled back, and she said, yes, honey, you did. 
And as I drove along, I thought, there they were, two big people, almost filled the back seat. He was calling her honey, she was calling him honey. I said, well, two big chunks of honey ought to have more sweetness than two little chunks. How about that? Friends, the Lord Jesus wants us. He wants us to be tremendous magnets in the hands of Jesus Christ. Men are led into sin by the drawing power of the enemy. They're drawn to Christ through that magnetic love with loving kindness. Have I drawn you? What is your desire today? May God help each one of us to look up in the face of infinite love and say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Make me a nail upon the wall. Fasten securely in its place. Then from this thing so common and so small, hang a bright picture of thy face that men may pause and look upon the loveliness depicted there. Then passing on their weary ways, each radiant face may bear, stamped so that time can ne'er efface the image of thy glory and thy grace. Lord, let not one soul think of me. Only let me be a nail upon the wall to hold thy picture in its place. Shall we pray? Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for forgiving me. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.